0: Well, good morning once again. We are wrapping up our series we've been doing all fall called The Domino Effect. And the goal of this series has been that each week we look into a different uh, biblical story that highlights the faithfulness of someone and the effect that it has on the world around and even the future to come. Uh, the hope is that we can recognize our own, that our own faithfulness can impact the world in ways greater than we can see in the present and that there's a domino effect that happens when we commit to that. Uh, Today, our story of faithfulness centers around a man that nobody wanted to be around. In fact, it was one of those guys that people were scared to interact with. When I was in high school, I was able to serve at a soup kitchen in Vancouver, British Columbia for a mission trip. And I had the privilege of going with my little sister, Kelly. While there, I got to experience my little sis having an encounter with someone who would normally make others feel uncomfortable. He fit the bill. Just kind of gave you this weird feeling. And like a good brother, I just kind of stood back and watched to see what would happen. Um, I remember listening to her speak with this man and at one point he starts talking about his life and for one reason or another starts kind of rationalizing the decisions that he's made and so uh, he goes on to say, well, you know, I I have broken into some homes but it was to steal blankets because I was cold and it was winter. You know, yeah, I've I've stolen some stuff from the store, but it's because I was hungry and I needed food. You know, yeah, I, I I carry a knife for protection, but it's because you know I just need the protection once in a while. And then it's so amazing. In that moment, my sister interjected, and she said, "Yeah, but like you don't use the knife, right?" And this man goes on to slowly lift his head like this for protection and my sister's eyes get humongous, and I can just see she's terrified. Um, So I remember it like yesterday, this wide-eyed look of fear in my sister's eyes. And I think many of us have had an experience like that where we've just been around someone that makes us feel uncomfortable. And if you haven't had an experience like that, go to a convenience store on Halloween night around midnight. You'll feel it, okay? But it can be easy for us to just Ignore those kinds of encounters we can have with people. Those people that maybe are a little scary, that, that make us feel uneasy. But it's important for us to remember that nobody is greater than, the, than has, has an ability to be past the, the redemption of Jesus. Jesus can transform any life. Today's scripture comes from Mark chapter five and we're in verses 11 through 20. And our scripture reader for this week is Jeffrey Golay. So Jeffrey, can you please head to the center of the room? and Would everyone please rise and face the center of the room for the reading of God's word? We stand and we face the center to remind us that scripture is to be central and also the primary lens we use to view and live our lives. So
1: whenever you're ready, Jeffrey, you can get started. A large herd of pigs was feeding on the nearby hillside. The demons begged Jesus, send us among the pigs. Allow us to go into them. He gave them permission and the impure spirits came out and went into the pigs the herd about 2000 in number rushed down the steep bank into the lake and were drowned those tending the pigs ran off and reported this in the town and countryside and the people went out to see what had happened when they came back came to Jesus they saw the man who had been possessed by the legion of demons sitting there Dressed and in his right mind, they were afraid. Those who had seen it told the people what had happened to the demon-possessed man. And told about the pigs as well. Then the people began to plead with Jesus to leave their region. As Jesus was getting into the boat, the man who had been demon-possessed begged to go with him. Jesus did not let him, but said, go home to your own people and tell them how much the lord has done for you and how he has had mercy on you so the man went away and began to tell in the decapolis how much jesus had done for him and all the people were amazed thank
0: you jeffrey you can all be seated our passage today shows us the transformation that takes place in the demon-possessed man and the domino effect that goes on to follow. This amazing story comes right off the heels of Jesus walking on the water. And he pulls up to the shore in a boat full of disciples and encounters none other than a demon-possessed man. The man is described in earlier verses as someone who lives around tombs. He had unexplained strength. He screamed day and night. And he had cuts all over his body. Not really the kind of person you invite to Sunday morning brunch. Given the fact that Jesus had just terrified his disciples recently with walking on water, he gives the disciples the day off and lets them stay in the boat. So when Jesus gets off the boat, the demon-possessed man uh, runs up to Jesus. And Jesus has one of the most terrifying conversations in the Bible. He asked the demon for its name. And the demon replies, in an obviously scary tone, I am legion, for we are many. It's it's like gross to think about. After the creepy introduction, the demon begs Jesus not to send them out of the land. And this takes us directly into where our scripture is for today. The majority of the passage is spent showing the transformation of the demon-possessed man and how that transformation impacted the people around him. Before encountering Jesus, this man was bloody, broken, and a slave to the evil that resided within him. Although we might not show it on the outside, before we encounter Jesus, we have a lot in common with this man. We may not have, uh, be a literal slave to demons, But we are a slave to sin. And sometimes those sins can become demons in our lives. We can find ourselves controlled by subjective cultural morality, personal insecurities, past traumas, alcohol, drugs, sex, pornography, anger, greed. You name it. And like the demons in the story, The things that have control over our lives beg not to leave. But when Jesus intercedes, he has the ability to transform circumstances, transform reality, and transform eternity. This doesn't mean that the sin of the world just disappears for us. It just means it's no longer our master. The demons could see the writing on the wall, so they begged Jesus, just send us into this herd of pigs. And Jesus would give them permission to do so. And what happened next was amazing. Once the demons were inside of the pigs, it says that they rushed down this steep bank and drowned in the Sea of Galilee. When you look at what this part of the story meant for this man and his transformation, It's unbelievable. What he had in his body controlling him and all his actions was the same force that killed 2,000 pigs by drowning them. It's not these pigs just like dropped into the sea and just like sunk. No, they were actively drowned. Pigs are incredibly buoyant because of the fat that they have and they can swim pretty decent. These demons drown the pigs. This meant that the force this man had inside of him was incredibly powerful. It had a huge control over his life. In our lives, sin can often look very similar. On the surface, we get a glimpse of it. Maybe we got a few cuts Look a little crazy once in a while. But underneath the surface, if we could see what was there, be terrifying. When we look at what happened to the pigs, we're showing just how much Jesus interceding changed this man's reality. And we get a glimpse of it in verse 15 when it says that the demon man, the once demon-possessed man was wandering around tombs yelling day and night, cutting himself. But then it says, he was now sitting down, he was dressed, and was in his right mind. Drastic transformation from what he was. The first domino to fall in the story of the demon-possessed man was his transformation. And it's important for us to know that when we find ourselves transformed through putting our faith in Jesus, there is an instant Transformation that happens inside of us that changes our identity. In this story, we get to see this internal transformation come to life through an external representation of what happens. The transformation that occurred in this man's uh, body impacted how he behaved and perceived, and how he was perceived on the outside. The transformation that happened affected the way that he was to the world. That being said, it's valuable for us to realize that sometimes it can be a process for our obedience and actions to represent the difference that Jesus' salvation has made in our lives. The demon-possessed man's life had been radically changed, but in this story, we also see that his transformation makes an impact on the surrounding community. Just really quick, humor this, imagine the scene if you were there to witness it all, 2,000 pigs stampeding down a hill and plummeting to the sea. And then they disappear for a few minutes, and I just kind of imagine like 2,000 bodies bobbing up eventually. That would be crazy. And so they reacted in a way of fear, which makes a lot of sense. On top of that, The drowning pigs had an incredible economic, religious, and political impact on the people there. Although pigs were seen as unclean to the Jewish community, they were often raised to be sold in marketplaces so that people could make sacrifices to Roman gods. And given the fact that there were so many, and the population of that region didn't justify having that many pigs, there was a very good possibility that they were traveling with the Roman legions, the military, that were patrolling the area so that they could be provided with food. So that would have a strong political impact as well, killing that many pigs. The Gospel of Mark was written to Rome, so the language of the Gospel has Jesus defeating a demon called Legion. That would send a pointed message to its recipients. It would communicate that Jesus, not Caesar, had authority over all things. Authority over the legions. So it makes sense why people ran away and began to talk about what was happening. They were terrified of Jesus' transformation he made in that man. And it got the whole town talking. When we receive and experience the transforming power of Jesus, it can have a direct and an indirect impact on those that are around us. When we allow for ourselves to no longer be ruled by the chaos of sin, it can, it can create a greater illumination of the sin and chaos in the world around us. As Jesus was getting into the boat, we clearly see this internal transformation that happened in the demon-possessed man when he runs up to Jesus He says, please let me come with you. Let me be a disciple. His encounter with Jesus led to him closely wanting to follow wherever he went. We should have that same desire. That same desire to follow him closely, to know him more, to go where he sends us. And this is what makes the next part of the story feel so uneasy disheartening. As he goes up to Jesus, like, let me follow you, please. And Jesus says, no. Verse 19, where Jesus says he cannot go with him. Seems harsh and maybe unloving. But I think there's a great lesson to be learned here. We all have a different path, or a different story, for what it looks like to follow Jesus. Jesus was still working on the disciples. The Bible shows us how dense they were. But Jesus was ready to send this guy out. And so he did. When we experience and embrace the transforming power of Jesus and begin living a life where we choose to follow him, we have a story that is meant to be shared with the world. The story of how we came to know Christ, that is the story we are called to tell. And our transformation creates a testimony to share. As we've talked about in the series, people are often inspired by stories of transformation. God has given each and every one of us a uniquely different and profound story to tell. Now, maybe some of us have these radical changes that happen, like the demon-possessed man where you're, you come out of addiction or you survive some crazy health concern. But I'd argue that most of us probably have the ordinary story of transformation or the gradual story of transformation. Oh, I was born and raised in a Christian household. Oh, you know, I had a good life. All those stories matter. They all speak to different people in different ways. There is power when we tell our story. And that is exactly what Jesus would ask of this man. He told him to go out and tell how much God had changed his life. Our passage closes by telling us of the response of the demon possessed man. Verse 20 says So the man went away and began to tell in the Decapolis how much Jesus had done for him, and all the people were amazed. It says that the man shared his story in the Decapolis. Now the Greek translation for Decapolis just means 10 cities, and it was originally a league of 10 cities. It was, uh, they were not technically a part of Israel, uh, and by Jesus' day, there were about 16 to 18 of those cities. Uh, These were groups of incredibly Hellenistic um, communities and culture, and they were pagan in nature. There were some Jews that resided there, but if you were a Jew that resided in the 10 cities, you really weren't much of a Jew. This meant that when the formerly possessed man went into the city, he was speaking to a predominantly Gentile audience. People who did not know who Jesus was, people who had no faith. But he still did it obediently and faithfully testified his story of his transformation. The difference Jesus can make in our lives is absolutely amazing, and people can see it. But we have to be faithful in sharing our story with others. Just as we need to be good stewards with our belongings, with our talents, we are also called to be good stewards with our story. And we can do this in a number of different ways. We can obviously do it by sharing our story with others verbally. We can share it through the way that we live and we conduct ourselves. And we can share it through giving others an invitation to enter into our story so they can be a part of it. Every time we speak of the difference Jesus has made in our lives, every time that we live in a way that reflects him, every time that we invite someone in to be a part of our community, We share in the transformation story of Jesus in our lives. That's exactly what the demon-possessed man did. And it had a domino effect that would be much greater than the story we just read right here. At the end of the passage, Jesus told the man to go to the Decapolis and to share a story. And it said that all people were amazed. Just because people are amazed doesn't mean you get results sometimes. But a couple chapters later, we see Jesus enter the region of the Decapolis and begin to see the domino effect of one man sharing his story. Mark 7, verses 31 and 32 says this. Then Jesus left the vicinity of Tyre and went through Sidon down to the Sea of Galilee and into the region of the Decapolis. There, some people brought to him a man who was deaf and could hardly talk and they begged Jesus to place his hand on him. Our passage for the day ends with one man going to the Decapolis to share his story. And when we come back to the Decapolis with Jesus, we see that there were some that wanted to experience this transforming power that Jesus had. How did these some find out about Jesus? The demon-possessed man. We started as one man's story. It led to some wanting to experience the power of Jesus. And it would go on to more people wanting to experience this power. Mark 8, verse 1 through 3 says this. During, these day, during those days, another large crowd gathered. Since they had nothing to eat, Jesus called his disciples to him and said, I have compassion for these people. They have already been with me three days and have nothing to eat. If I send them, I'm hungry. They will collapse on the way because some of them have come a long distance. So Mark 8, obviously comes directly after Mark 7, directly after this chunk of passage in Mark 7, which means that Jesus, when he says the people had been with him for three days, means he was still in the Decapolis. And what started off as one man in his story then was transformed into three, to some people. And now there's a large crowd wanting to know and experience what Jesus has to offer. And it was this large crowd that he performed his second miraculous feeding. Not the feeding of the 5,000, but the feeding of the 4,000. How do you think so many people came to hear about Jesus so fast? The faithfulness of one formerly demon-possessed man. His faithfulness to share his story had a domino effect of thousands of people getting the opportunity to experience Jesus. His story gave people something to talk about. He gave people an invitation to see what Jesus could offer them. And people accepted it And more people came, and more people came, and more. The domino effect of one person sharing their story of transformation had an ever-expanding impact on people coming to know and experience Jesus. The most powerful asset we have as a follower of Jesus is our story. What's so valuable about stories is their ability to break down barriers and help us relate with one another. We could have a a debate or argue about philosophy, theology, or worldview, but it's really hard to argue with somebody's story, their experience, that happened to them personally. Now there's a right and proper time to talk about theology and, and worldview, but the most powerful tool that we have is the ability to just tell someone what God's doing. What he's doing in our lives. I've been blessed, so incredibly blessed. I've uh, been doing youth ministry for nine years, and I've, over the years, had the opportunity to just see when students catch fire for Jesus. And in recent uh, years, specifically this fall, it's been so cool to see just growth in the youth ministry. And I, I currently have a student that a little over a year ago uh, came to me with just a heart to want to grow in his faith. And he also wanted a platform to be able to share that faith. So he obediently pursued it. He pursued that conviction. So he decided to invite one person to youth group. And he saw how much fun that friend had, so he invited another person to youth group. And another. And then those friends kind of had fun. And so they started inviting some of their friends to youth group. And the results have been an ever-expanding growth in faith in a group of young men and women and a continuing growth in our youth ministry. It's resulted in great conversations, Bible studies, baptisms, people growing closer in community through faith. There are internal transformations that are leading to external representations This is the domino effect of just one student. But there are so many others doing exactly what this person is doing. So much just so that uh, we actually had a record-shattering 90 students show up for youth group a few weeks ago. High school youth group. Yeah. There is a domino effect. There's a domino effect. When we choose to share our story, what would it look like if we as a congregation were to be committed to sharing the way that God has changed us to the world, not even to the world, to our neighbor, our coworker, invite them in to our lives. I guarantee it would give people something to talk about. Our faithfulness to share our story has an ever-expanding domino effect on the kingdom of God. Who knows who could come to follow Jesus because of our story and the invitation to experience Jesus? Some of you may or may not have noticed, but each week, as we've talked about uh, these different domino effects, there's been one of our um, vision statement directives that's been either indirectly or directly mentioned. Our directives are biblical obedience, spirit-led, safe haven, meeting Jesus, transform lives, missional impact, future focus, and ever-expanding. If we truly value and live out those eight directives... Our story will declare that the gospel is real and that the gospel changes everything. It'll have an ever-expanding impact on our faith, our community, and the Magic Valley. At the beginning of the series, uh, we gave everyone, if you were here, a domino. And that domino is meant to remind you of uh, the impact faithfulness can have in our lives. And along with that, each week we have issued a domino challenge. And to wrap up our series, our domino challenge for this week, and to continue living out past this, is this. Identify one of our vision directives that plays a large role in your faith story. And be faithful in telling that part of your story to the people you know. There is an ever-expanding domino effect when we share our testimony with the world around us. So let's go. Let's be amazing stewards of our story. Join me in prayer. God, we thank you for your word and what it can illuminate in our hearts, in our minds. And we ask that you help us to live our lives in a way that has a domino effect on the world around us. Help us to uh, be faithful in sharing our story, to be good stewards with it, whether that's uh, telling it, showing it, or inviting people to join in. We ask that you be with us as we try to expand your kingdom as great as we can. We love you, God, and in your name we pray. Amen. Let me leave you with this blessing. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. So go and have a domino effect on the world around you. Amen.